You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Hey there, everybody. It's Kapow, the pop culture podcast, back with you one more time. My name is Jordan Lowe. Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth. Save Martha! Puny God. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. I'm Batman. Kneel before the sun! Under Said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. So what's it gonna be, huh? Long, sullen silence? Or mean comment? Go on. You got me in a box here. Ha! 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 We like movies. <laughs> yep. We, we talked about for four hours. Four about hours. Fifteen hours of movie discussions of movies of the past, movies yet to come, ghost of future movies. You can't talk enough about movies. That's just part of our charm. <laughs> That's a little quirk we have. We like movies. Hmm. We like movie theaters. It'd be nice to have one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. yeah. I'm not. I haven't. I've driven past that. Tool store. I will can't never say I step can go in. I just can't. I'm never, not going in. Can't do it. Never nope. will happen. Nope. Dream on. I'm I sure never really are. feel the need to buy cheap tools. No. But if I did, it wouldn't be there. It wouldn't be there. I'd be one of the other ten freaking tool stores <laughs> in our town right. that doesn't have a movie theater. Anyway, we're not better. So I mentioned years. been gone for years. Yeah. Get over it. Um, I mentioned uh, on our movie awards podcast that uh, that you definitely listen to. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> along with everyone else. That no, I'm talking to them out there. Yeah, we know they all listen to every. Second. So you heard me say, of course, that I mentioned the Sundance Film Festival and that I was attending it online. Found out you could do that and was off the weekend that you could do it and did it. Um, That's pretty cool. I got to say. It's amazing. It's amazing. And probably amazing for the filmmakers there. Yeah. Having a chance to get a wider audience because, you know, all getting into Sundance is amazing. But, you know, maybe a few thousand people might see your movie. Like being able to stream it online, I'm sure, is is wonderful for these directors trying to break out. Yeah. And a lot of people that even the one people that went to Sundance, because it really kind of starts the weekend before and they all go for the weekend and and then come home and do what I did and watch a bunch more movies online. So. uh, But I was. Disappointed last year, they were doing it last year, but I and I thought I'll do that next year, but I. But also the reason being I had added several movies to my watch list that I heard people talking about came out last year at Sundance and they were like, Oh, watch for the watch for this or watch for that. And those movies are just lost to time. As far as I'm concerned, I, I'm never going to get to see those. So you may never get to see some of these movies I talk about, but 
I got to see. It's like it's it's there are just so many indie movies that are made that are brought there that if they don't get bought, you may you know they may be gone. I know there was a, for for one thing there was a Jonathan Majors movie last year that was getting a lot of hype, and we'll never see that freaking movie. But uh, anyway, I you know realized they were doing this. It was not uh ridiculous it was i mean it costs a lot of money to go to sundance first off you know beyond the ticket traveling and doing all that and you know but the online thing is not cheap but i i think it's very considering what you pay to go to the movies anyway it is extremely affordable and you can just watch it in your living room uh Basically, I was paying $25 a movie. Well, if I take my son to a movie or go, to, that's $25, you know, and I had to pay for gas and all that. I was like, so my son and I sat there and watched these movies and paid what we would have watched in the theater, and we may never have got to see these movies otherwise. So I thought that was extremely you affordable. You don't get a commemorative popcorn. You don't. You can't. Get your Dune popcorn, bucket, yeah, but you got to bring your own. And and another thing I'll say, it, it it was very slick and easy, and the user interface was great. Like you just got on your phone, made an account in a minute, and just could, went through the movies you could. You were allowed to choose from. Some of them would sell out, you know. So there was things I did get a chance to see. One, because they sold out. There's other ones I didn't get to see that only showed there. You know, so some of the bigger things weren't available to the online people. Like uh, that Levelized Bleeding premiered there that comes out mm, next month. Yeah. But yeah. that I feel like those are stunts. Like that's that's just a movie just choosing to use Sundance as a premiere. They were going to come out anyway. They weren't looking to be bought. Uh, there's a couple Jesse Eisenberg movies that premiered that were looking you know to be bought and um Kristen Stewart movie a, a few indie movies but that were bigger I think that you know there was oh Sasquatch uh what was that Sasquatch Sunset that, that caught my eye <laughs> yeah. but uh it was like Jesse Eisenberg and Riley Keough dressed up in Sasquatch suits trying to play like they're Sasquatches. That's the whole movie. They're just, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what that is, but I didn't even get to see that either, but we, you, you just buy the movie on, you know, rent the movie on your thing. And once you start it, you have a few hours, like five hours to watch it. And it, there's an app you just download to your TV and it's on there. And it looks great, and it, it's. They give you right before it plays. It it plays a introduction from the director, and they kind of they kind of tell you, you know, they don't spoil anything, but they kind of tell you what they you know give you some little blurb about the movie and talk tell you what they want you to know beforehand. Right after the movie ends, it rolls right into the Q and A that they had there at Sundance when when it show, showed and they 
it's like 20 minutes of the talking to the cast questions from journalists and the audience. I mean, it's great. It's just works really slick, but I saw six movies and let me pull them up here. I enjoyed all of them. So I hit the jackpot. But another thing about doing it from home is I got to sit, sit, sit here and watch online as everybody watched movies all that weekend. And then, and throughout the weekend, I'm like, okay, well, everyone, I, I have access to this movie and it's getting good reviews and it looks like something I would be interested in. So it turned out all of those were movies I liked. Um, I watched six movies. One was a, called Good One, directed by India Donaldson. Don't know if anyone bought this. I thought it was a nice little indie movie about a girl, a teenage girl who goes, she's supposed to go on a camping trip with her father and her father's friend and his son. And, but the son doesn't end up going, he doesn't want to go. So she's going out there with her dad and her dad's friend. And, you know, it gets weird, <laughs> but mostly it is a, a nice little movie about this. Just, you know, again, what women go through, even teenage girls having to cater to, the men in their lives just like required to support them in some way, you know, doesn't matter who they are that, you know, they, this, you know, or she's having to help her dad and the, the friend, you know, wants support from her too. And it's like, it's always about them, you know, that kind of shows her perspective. And I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you never hear of it again, though. I watched a documentary called Skywalkers, colon, A Love Story, which I thought was a really dumb title. But uh, this was neat. I, you know, I, it wasn't the greatest thing I ever saw, but I was intrigued by it's uh, about this these couple rooftoppers, they're called. But basically, they're like Instagram climbers. They're, you know, climbing for the clicks. They climb all these tall buildings and, you know, get sponsorships and stuff for them, to, you know, for people because they get all these clicks where they climb the tallest buildings in the world. And uh, it's better than it sounds only because these people, the two people that it follows are this man and woman that uh, eventually meet each other and get together and start climbing together and fall in love. And it, it's very, it's, you know, really neat to see how their relationship develop as the guy becomes more and more worried for her safety. Cause she's kind of well, crazy. They don't use any kind of safety at all. They just climb these super high, crazy buildings. And I mean, a lot of, Apparently, a lot of people die doing that, and I'm not surprised. But it was it was neat. I'm I'm sure it will show up on something. And if 
If you're scared of heights, don't watch it. Uh, I watched a... This, I think you would like this, Jordan. This was this is called Kneecap. It's named after a an Irish, Northern Irish rap group. <laughs> they're like they they're a real group, but they're playing themselves in kind of this reimagining of how they got together. But they're from Belfast, I believe, and they uh kind of met randomly and formed this rap group and they're a bunch of Irish guys, you know, but they rap in the Irish language, which uh, I guess the UK does not recognize, does not like people using that language. Uh, and they're trying to, uh, they kind of become uh politically involved without meaning to like they're just trying to rap and save this language like they use the language and spread it and it's they rap a lot about it and they're just like like you're not gonna take take away it that's our identity is having this language and uh it's a fun movie uh they are really good i mean i know they're playing themselves but they are good they they pull it off as actors and i Nick really liked it. We, you know, it was it was a lot of fun, and I liked the music they made, and um, I would definitely recommend it. They're called Kneecap, and that's the name of the movie. Um, I also saw three other movies. There was one called DD DIDI, directed by Sean Wang. Did you guys remember that movie mid nineties? Did that Jonah Hill movie? Did you guys watch that? Yeah. Where it was like a kid is just a kid growing up. He's like a skateboarder. Skateboard in the 90s. culture, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one is set in 2008, and it's a 13 year old Taiwanese American boy, um, going out and trying to find himself. You know, trying to live his life, trying to you know being an awkward kid, dealing with the other kids. But it's set in that very specific time, so there's like just the beginning of Facebook and, and the instant messenger and the tail end of MySpace, And it's just really interesting to see that portrayed again, this specific time on screen. Plus it, uh, involved all, all that is involved in his culture as an immigrant family. Um, I've, I thought it was very good to watch this little a-hole kid, and his family and his mom having to deal with them. The mom is really good in it. And I I would be surprised if you don't see that. I don't know that it's been bought. I haven't seen where anybody bought it yet, though. But uh, the last two, we watched back-to-back on the final day. And I, just, I did not tell Nick what it... Nick is just... My son is so good. He, he doesn't care. He, he trusts me to, you know... <laughs> deliver these things i just said we're gonna watch it he's in i'm all in i'll watch whatever you put in front of me uh i'm just like i love that so i said this is going to be a sad day (laughs) we're we had to watch it my my bedroom so we're just comfy sitting on the bed with all these pillows just both of us leaning back bawling our eyes out all day watching these two documentaries First one we watched was Daughters. This is about 
the prison system basically it's and it's horrible there's a you know of course uh it's 99 percent african-american men in this movie in jail and it's about the, them losing the relationships with their families and their daughters specifically. And there was a program started where, uh, where they tried to create a daddy daughter dance where the, they could bring ba- basically these kids were having dances and their fathers couldn't come to it because they were prison. So this woman created where these daughters would prepare to come to the prison and have a dance. And the men would prepare for weeks and weeks, go through this program to, be able to do it, to qualify to do it, and they're going to bring them in. It's just about trying to, again, tr- any effort to try to stop this cycle of these men are in jail. They didn't have fathers involved in their lives, and hopefully if they're some way able to be involved in their children's lives, maybe that will stop this cycle. But it's just a tearjerker watching all these kids and you know, excited to see their dads, and the dads excited and not wanting to screw it up, and it's amazing. Yeah, you know, absolutely check it out if you get a chance. Um, but that is called Daughters. The last one I saved specifically for last to watch because I knew I was going to like it. I knew Nick was going to like it. It's called Ebelin. It's I B E L I N. It's already been bought by Netflix. So I'm sure it'll be on the next two or three months. Um, it is a documentary about Mats Steen, who's a Norwegian kid who had uh, Duchenne's, which is like a form of muscular di- uh, dystrophy, I believe. And so from a very early age, he no more than learned to walk and he was losing the ability to walk. And it's, it's basically his parents talking and showing footage of him growing up and just how sad they are about the life he had. He, he's going to die young. You know, he, he, he only lives to be 25. Um, he died in 2015, I believe, but they just the first little bit is about that and they're showing a lot of footage of him and how he, 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 he of course he breaks down and but most of the time when he's shown he's just sat in his wheelchair or sitting on the computer and from his parents perspective they're just devastated at all he will miss all he he'll never have relationships he'll never uh have a girlfriend he'll never get to do anything they they want to go to a concert and he doesn't want to go he just they just it's horrible meanwhile he's sitting there looking at the camera kind of sad looking but playing world of warcraft on it on the screen and they when he died they he left his password to his computer and you know like that next day or whatever they logged in and saw that he had a blog and they had some you know followers so they just posted hey max matt's died our son died he had this disease and they left their email and 
they got so many responses about how he was friends with all these people and it, you know was such had such an impact on all these people's lives that they had no idea um specifically he was part of a guild in the game World of Warcraft and had close relationships with all these people in the game but they didn't know any they only knew him as this character this avatar of you know just he he was not inhibited by his disease so he didn't have you know people didn't have preconceived notions about him he just got to be a regular person in this world and he was known as always being there so and you know people wondered how he could be there all the time well he literally could do nothing else and there's thousands and thousands of pages of all the conversations he had on there and like docu there it's all kept and animate this this the what's the other step that takes us kind of over the top is animators took those conversations and recreated in the animation in the style of world of warcraft show reanimated those scenes to show those conversations with all the characters that he was interacting with for the movie so you set and watch a lot of it is like you're watching the world of world of warcraft and the, but them interacting as real people in it and it's just an amazing document like it's so sad but it's so enlightening and it, we look at the internet as just like being this cesspool nowadays and <laughs> when you when you see this you see like there's you know all the good that can come from it for some people that have no other access to relationships and such and it's just it's an amazing thing to see uh and i i, I really can't wait for people to get to check it out that is called Ebelin, and that's just the name of his character that he was in World of Warcraft. But that was Sundance. It was awesome to get to do that. I'll definitely try to do it again next year. I spent uh, about $175 to watch six or seven movies and don't regret it at all. It was a great treat that weekend. Very sweet. Did anybody, any guys... You guys watch the greatest night in pop that was actually at sundance also like about all the people that got all these people got excited they got to watch greatest night in pop mm -hmm. we're talking about how it's one of their favorite movies at sundance that came out on netflix the next day yeah <laughs> yeah i haven't watched it yet i'm sure we will but i just haven't gotten there yet how this should have been like i i could I not as soon as I saw it was on it, I immediately watched this movie. Like this is this is the first day I've had Netflix in a while. Okay, except for I that guess one all day. Out. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. Well, it's it's just so like great, it, the perfect thing for our age group to watch. This yeah. is the making of We Are the World. Mm -hmm. You just get to see how it was made and all the behind the scene footage and see all of these uh, icons come together without their entourages. Nobody has their agent or anything in the room. It's just the stars mingling together. All these musicians mingling together and, and how some of them are uh, 
nervous or felt inferior or so you know some of them want to take charge and some you know don't even want to be there or you know it's it's just really neat to see how how all these it's a once in a once in a lifetime thing for all these people to come in there you'd never see people without their entourages nowadays and i don't know if you could even pull something off like this again it's all these amazing musicians and like we've always wondered uh and all of them and dan Aykroyd. <laughs> it's like it's like all the best musicians in the world and dan Aykroyd somehow hey, is in this room that's a blues brother you're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it's very strange but it i i loved it i loved seeing all that footage and how all the quirky moments, uh, but I love Huey Lewis and it. And apparently, I, f- I found out just today that he w- he Prince famously did not come. Uh, he, you know, he's just not a people person like that. But uh, he apparently the Huey Lewis line was the line that Prince was supposed to sing, and uh, Huey Lewis got to sing it. I think it, he. He did better than Prince could ever do. Oh my gosh. Bring it. Anyway, so that's Sundance. Have you guys been watching any movies? Not really. The only one I've watched recently, also a documentary. I think it was made several years ago, but I just saw it on Prime. I think maybe it just came out there. Called Batman and Me. And it's a documentary about a guy who collected Batman stuff from the 1989 Tim Burton movie. Um, so this filmmaker found specifically. him online. Specific, <laughs> yeah, specifically. So the this filmmaker found this guy online. He's from Australia. He's like, can I come down and look at your collection? He's like, yeah, sure. And it's just a normal, seemingly normal guy with a girlfriend and a normal house. There's literally no sign of it in his house until there's one closed door with a bat symbol on it. And you open it up, and it's just wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, everything. Just like Batman's house. Right. You put you, you, you the <laughs> clock down in the cave. So this guy, he it, it goes into his psychology a little bit, but not enough for me. But, like, he was just... I don't know, like he was looking for friends or something, but like he fell in with this guy who collected movie posters. So all of a sudden this guy got big into movie posters and then he met some people who were Star Wars guys who went to the Star Wars cons and then he became a Star Wars collector. And then 1989 rolls around and it's Batman fever and he's like, I got to get everything. So if you remember back then, that logo was on everything. From toys to oh yeah bath soaps to you know pencil Talk, Taco Bell and, cups and yes. displayers yeah. and yeah this guy was talking about you know getting all the collectors cups like trying to buy an empty cup and the guy not understanding he's like don't you want the soda he's like no dump the don't put soda in it I just want the cup I'll buy full price so like the guy just collected and collected and then through the sequel and then when we got to the uh, Batman what was the forever yeah jim carrey mm-hmm. yeah he's like i'm done and he just stopped he didn't buy anything more batman ever but he still wow, has collected respect. 
yeah, so he just, everything's still in the package. Everything's mint condition. He's so, still super anal about it. He won't sell anything. But he just stopped and closed the door. That was it. And so he's, so yeah, he's trying to like talk to this. So what, you know, what made you, and like, he doesn't have any comics. He didn't, he doesn't know much about Batman. People are like quizzing about the movie. He's like, yeah, I mean, I like the movie, but he like barely even likes it. But just something compelled him. He had to collect everything. And it was just, I don't know, it was a little sad. Yeah, that's weird. Because the guy, it's obviously some mental problem or something, you know, that he probably needs therapy to, to work through. But the movie's just not equipped to deal with that. So it's mostly like, hey, look at all this stuff. <laughs> this guy's quirky. But uh, my favorite part was that they do the reenactments, but they use action figures. So they have a little Bruce Wayne fit when it's ever when it's the guy he's like then he went you know and it would just show the little action figure walking through and they had like uh, those Ghostbusters toys where their eyes popped out mm-hmm. and they yeah it was like then they saw his collection woo and like it had you know so they they did a really clever uh, you know yeah. using the toys in, in a humorous way but it, yeah it was really inventive mm. but I don't know it just it made me think that would be an interesting documentary to like to, you know because all three of us collect stuff like i'm sure. we have reason you know talk to cliff about what what is it about ewoks let's let's, let's dig down and figure out what this <laughs> yeah. is about yeah we did obvious mental problem right obviously <laughs> we all need therapy <laughs> but yeah there's there's that's interesting to me like what you know what makes people tick in this way what draws people to this sort of thing and it, the end of the movie talks to a few other people like well it talks to a, a friend of his who collects like Batman statues, like the real high end hundreds of dollars tall yeah. statues. And like the guy's like, no, my collection is not as big as his, but I'm very focused on what I do. And the, the other guy's like rolling his eyes. Like, yeah, this guy's got 12 statues. Big deal. Like he, he doesn't respect the other guy. Like he thinks he's silly. It's like, you're all crazy. Like, what is the problem? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It was very, yeah, it's low budget. It's just sort of, I don't know low uh under the radar kind of movie but i i found it interesting but i i don't know it was more interesting what wasn't said and what was left out i think of what what's really <laughs> behind all this nonsense that that draws people like us to to to, to obsess over certain things right yeah hmm. so it's been happening in the comics world how can you read this? There's no pictures. Well, some people use their imagination. Well, I must hurry back to my comic book store where I dispense the insults rather than absorb them. It happens all the time. Read a comic book, okay? <laughs> well, if you like Batman, maybe you like comic books. Uh, yeah. Have you heard about the scandal that rocked the CGC? What dog man do now? Hmm. <laughs> Nothing to do with Dogman this time. <laughs> this time. <laughs> so we all know the certified guarantee company, that, that place you send your comics to, and they grade oh, them yeah. and put them in a plastic slab. And we charge you a bunch of money. Charge a lot of money, and people pay big bucks for a 9.8 versus a 9.4. You know, this is the standard. Yep. If you're on eBay, you can trust that that book is mint condition because somebody has graded it and looked at it. Maybe not anymore. Well, um, well. A scammer 
possibly more than one. They figured out people were buying valuable comics that were high grades, getting them graded, so like getting a 9.6 or a 9.8, so the scam took, you had to invest some cash in it. But if a, if one of the slabs is damaged, you can send it in to be reholded. So these people found, so inside the slab, the books are sealed, heat sealed or something, vacuum packed, some in a plastic sleeve of some sort. But somebody figured out how to open the slab, swap in a lesser grade comic, yeah, and then send it back to be reholdered, so they could sell a beat up comic as a nine point eight that they spent yep. a couple hundred bucks on and make a couple thousand, and then they'd still have their high grade comic. I don't see so. what they're hurting. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Was it you? <laughs> have you? <laughs> Was it your scam? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Because they're never going to open those things anyway. Exactly. So there were some photos taken, and they, you know, they all have barcodes, and you know, they're you can track them. So like, people were getting photos of like, this is not the same comic in this same thing, and then some internet sleuths, you know, tried to figure it out. So it, they are pretty sure it's happened quite a bit. Oh, I have no doubt that it's rampantly been going on for years. So. If you can't, well, the point of this is trust, right? We trust these people to grade these comics. We trust this comic. That's what you're paying for, right? Is the guarantee the They're chain the of custody here? Like, right, we right. want. So if that cracks, if there is no more trust, then what happens? The, what's the value? It doesn't have a value. So no one can quite say how widespread it is. But it ain't good. But I have always been a little bit skeptical because the whole the whole system is built on getting high grades. I've never done this. I'm not an expert. I don't I could even be wrong on some of these details, but like I have heard like they charge more for high grade books is what I've heard. So their incentive is to grade it high. Your incentive you want a high grade book. High grade books sell for more, so then they're more desirable. People talk about it. More people send them in trying to get high grade. So, like, have they ever been honest? Like, right. you know, what what's the incentive to give a book a six when it's uh, it's called a seven point eight or you know whatever? Oh, I don't how know how much I, sleep I, the guy got the night before, whether it got laid. Right. Yeah, and it's it's human. Yeah, two different people are going to look at two different books, you know, differently. So, I don't know. It's all been based on faith. The whole thing is, yeah, let's just assume this is all right. So now they've they've there's been a little bit of crack in the foundation. So who knows what's going to happen? Okay, that's exciting because I'd like to see this whole house of cards fall down. I don't own a slab. <laughs> Man, you know, I'd like to see all these people have wasted their money. <laughs> and uh, here's my uh, semi-annual diamond update. Ooh, okay. my comic distributor used to be a monopoly for 20 some years is not doing so great i've got this is purely anecdotal but they've sent me a calendar every single year a full you know this one only have a couple months in it different you're like we don't want to play in the head (laughs) the calendars have 12 full months each month has a theme this is manga month this is kids book month 
you know, and they all have the dates on them, you know, you know when my mm. orders are due, when the new catalogs come out, blah, blah, blah. So ever, since I've been open 18 years, I've gotten this catalog. This year, it's they sent me one piece of paper that just had all 12 months printed on it. Wow. Just one, one, one sheet instead of an actual calendar. It's like, oh, somebody's cut their budget a little bit. Calendar guy lost his job. No, no more calendar guy. Calendar man. Uh, and then they canceled the Diamond Retailer Summit. Again, that has been going on since I've I've been open at least, where it's in a different city every year, connected to some big Comic Con. There would be a retailer summit where they'd have publishers there, they'd have representatives from Diamond, and they'd invite all the retailers to wine and dine and talk about the industry and you know, preview their upcoming stuff, and that's been going on forever. And then this year, they're like, yeah, we're not doing it. So I, I, again, these are these are just details. That's not. <laughs> There's nothing official said, but uh, it just the signs are there that Diamond's not doing so hot, and they've been cutting a few major corners. Mm. And then Free Comic Day rolls around, and we're having a, for the third year in a row, they have a presenting sponsor, which for all Free Comic Days, the shops are the sponsors. They buy this stuff. But So yeah. three years ago, Coke, Coca-Cola was a sponsor. Oh, I remember that, yeah. They didn't do anything. Yeah. Coke didn't. Coke didn't promote it. They didn't do a tweet about it. They did nothing. But there's a Coke logo on every book, every poster, every everything. But all the books still cost the same. So, dime. You know, the Coke paid some money to Diamond. Yeah. That money didn't funnel through to anybody else. So then the second year, the, the sponsor was some online seller, which the whole idea of Free Comic Day is getting people out into the shops, and the, the sponsor was. You know, buy these variant covers online on our website. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. You'll never guess who the sponsor is for this year. CGC, the comics guarantee <laughs> company. <laughs> wow. So the company dealing with a bit of a scandal is now our sponsor. And the, if you wanted to buy bags, like plastic bags for your store, they have the free comic book day logo. We've also been able to buy these bags. Yeah. Well, this year they have one side has Free Comic Day on them, and the other side has CGC's logo and website and a QR code, but they cost the same. And people must have been like, "What are what are we getting a sponsor for if all our costs are the same?" Yeah. Diamond had to put out a press release that quote, "Despite a substantial increase in production costs for these bags since our last order nearly three years ago, we have some great news. Thanks to CGC's sponsorship, we are able to maintain the current pricing." So they're saying, thanks, you know, it would have cost a whole lot more, but it still just costs exactly the same because of these wonderful sponsors. Wow. So everything's great in the comic world. Hmm. What, what, what percentage does Diamond, of of your, of, of what you buy, you know, get delivered? How What percentage does Diamond delivered? It used to be 100. Right. And now it is Boom, Dynamite, Archie, and a couple more, like Titan, and a couple random smaller publishers. So, so not, like not a whole lot. Yeah. Not a yeah. whole lot. Yeah. Wow. I still get my supplies from them, bags, boards, boxes, that kind of stuff. But that might shift sooner rather than later as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, so there's only a couple things that are really exclusive that I can only get from Diamond. 
and it's not any of the real the biggest sellers, but there still are, you know, Boom has Buffy and Power Rangers and some, you know, some big books. Dynamite has some yeah, big but books. That's nothing shops, compared to what they could, were. Jeez. Yeah. Could shops could survive with it. So who who and does? Who's Penguin do? Penguin is Marvel, Dark Horse, and IDW. Okay. DC. And Lunar is DC and Image. And then there's a couple that overlap, like Oni. You can get from a either or, or you know, there's a few of the smaller publishers that have don't have exclusive. Another person who's I saw that made me shrug. Beckett. Everybody remember Beckett? Oh yeah. Sports card uh, yeah. grading you magazine. Yeah. 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 So I I guess they've pivoted to this. There's like Beckett grading and you know, I guess they do that as well. So Beckett Collectibles is offering manga grading. Expanding their comics and collectibles grading service to an industry-first manga. Which Do these guys provide your fake noodles list every year? <laughs> Sponsored by... <laughs> They're the sponsor of fake noodles. Impasta. So this, this, this announcement was met with, quote, scorn and skepticism. Starting at $30 for the grading service with an additional 20 if you want it placed in a plexiglass slab. To me, the manga audience is not the collector. What, what, what good? You know, and those books are printed on the cheapest, thinnest, you know, black and white newsprint. Yeah. I don't know that anyone cares that they're mint condition or not. So this just seems like something nobody's asking for. But somebody said, "Hey, there's a whole bunch of collector. You know, Japanese comics are the best sellers in the world, and nobody's grading them. Quick, <laughs> slab stuff." So I, I, I don't get that at all. I don't know that there's an audience for it. And the online reaction was a lot of, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. So who knows? But that just seemed incredibly silly to me. Best in the world, says Dogman. I think not. <laughs> That's the next thing. We'll start slabbing. Yeah. Yeah, young reader comics. <laughs> all your middle schoolers are going to have their... Yeah. We train Those them at lunch. Look okay, at 9.0, Dogman. I'm looking, looking for a 9.0. on the shelf. Have you read that? No, it's sealed. <laughs> but it's, an, it's a 9.5. I can't open it. <sighs> this industry is silly. All right, anybody reading anything? I, it's, I just finally picked up some books. <laughs> I haven't been to the shop in weeks. I'm going to read them. I got a couple of the recent big releases. Uh, Marvel restarted the Ultimate Universe. So the first one out was Ultimate Spider-Man. And so this was, they did an Ultimate Universe miniseries that was basically the Maker, which is the alternate reality, Reed Richards, who was the villain, kind of undid the superhero world. So like he went back and you know, kept Bruce Banner away from the bomb and kept the spider away from Spider-Man. Like, he, he he tried to make a world with no superheroes was the idea. So this is mm -hmm. this new Ultimate Universe. Peter Parker is middle-aged, married to Mary Jane with kids, 
was never bitten by the spider. So he he finally gets his spider powers in his mid thirties. So this is a new a new twist on this by Jonathan Hickman, Marco Cecchetto. So this was you know when the first Ultimate book launched, it was like we need a fifteen year old Peter Parker for new kids to read to identify with that's not burned with long continuity and breath of fresh air for the industry and it worked and now it's like we need older readers who like wives and kids and like we're just, we're we're aiming straight for that middle age crowd we're not even pretending anymore to want kids to read these so just that just that's what it feels like to me of like we've right. given up on trying to get new readers and we're just gonna try to make the old guys happy because they yeah. haven't been happy recently so let's just try that yeah throw them a bone says dog man dog. So this book, I ordered quite a few, thinking it might be a big deal. And the first week, people were picking it up, just interested in it. I had a couple of kids actually come in, like, is that new order of Spider-Man out? It's like, like, hey, that's cool. And then the book jumped up and went crazy on eBay and was starting to be worth a lot of money. So then the second week, I still had books on the shelf, and people were coming in buying multiple copies because it was valuable now. Right. So then all of a sudden, I sell out, and everybody's looking for it because it's hot on eBay. So then the next one to come out is Ultimate Black Panther. And that does the same thing. People mi miss the boat on Spider-Man, so they do not want to miss Black Panther. So all of a sudden, Black Panther's selling for $25 on eBay the day it comes out. I sell out before noon on the first day I got it. So I'll, I'll never understand this industry or how to order books. <laughs> it may not order in a fashion. That's the point. That's what you're... I'm very bad at it. Oh, that's crazy. But Black Panther has never been a big seller in any incarnation whatsoever. So how am I to know slapping the word ultimate on it is going to make people freak out? But it did. I would Especially never have guessed. when the book is $5.99. These first issues are $5.99. That's literally why I didn't buy it. <laughs> These people are lapping it up. Yeah. So we'll see if that's a long-term thing or not. Did we talk, ever talk about Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know who did it or what. I know that it's one dude drawing it and writing it. And he, it's really neat. I thought it was really neat. And I, you probably know more about it than I do, but I, I know it's drawn in the style of like a... Is it Richard E. Scary? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, the Busy Town books yeah. for kids. Yeah, just look at all the anthropomorphized animals and clothes living in a town. Just friendly little like Arnold type town. There's the but, grocer and there's the mailman. And yeah, everyone's, everyone's right. got a job to do and they it's a very, say hi to the neighbors. Yeah, very quickly, a few pages in, you realize that one of the townspeople... Just a friendly per bear is going to another town and and murdering people. It's a serial killer. <laughs> uh, it's like, and it's graphically drawn in this children's book style that that was just a ama it just kind of took my breath away. I was like, what a neat idea to go so graphic is you know. In, in this style, what like what a I, I was amazed, and the ending of the first issue is shocking and and 
just a great launching point for a series. Uh, I have no idea whether it's, I, I mean, I don't even know where I heard about it, but I was excited that you had, you know, we're getting it. And I'm, I'm curious if it's, it should be, big. I haven't heard of it anywhere else, but I, it, it should be big. Like it's good. Yeah. I got a lot of buzz before it came out. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure like when they get the first story arc, you know, the, the first trade will be big in bookstores and stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> Another big Marvel release, Avengers Twilight. Oh, Darsky yeah. and Daniel Acuna. Six issue story set in the future with an elderly Steve Rogers has to reassemble the Avengers to save the future. Uh, the world is very prosperous and everybody's, you know, has having, you know, they're having, they have good lives and they're entertained, but, you know, they're, it's not great. They're, they're actually enslaved. But they don't know it, and Cap's yeah. gonna give a good speech and and, and oh. wake them up and get them out of it. But you know, do 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 people even want that anymore? Do they want freedom? Do not. Yeah, we're right. happy. We're fine with. We're fine with. As long as I still have Wi-Fi, come on, yeah. Cap. I don't need this. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it yet, but I always I remember when I I feel like I stumbled onto. Earth X, Universe X, you know that that stuff. At many, you know, a million years ago, and and it just seemed like such a neat thing. This alternate future and stuff, and then uh, the last Avengers story, that two issue thing. I always that Peter David. I I love that. You know, it was just like Hank Pym was. You know, happened to deal with they're all old and you know just the the dealing with the future this you know so i i'm into this idea of some big jump into the future especially with cap cap centric uh dc had their suicide squad kill arkham asylum five issue prequel to the upcoming video game arkham asylum kill the justice league or suicide what is it suicide squad kill the justice league hmm. um and they're doing that famous thing each issue will have a redeemable code or oh. something in the game yeah i don't know the game's not getting great reviews i don't think um the- i was just talking to cooper about this he mentioned it tonight um and, and apparently that that criticism may may have been a little too soon mm. um he, Before he was, people had actually gotten to play the game, right? And, and he, yeah, got to play the game, and you know, it's the world we live in now. But you can't buy a video game. I don't feel like that's actually finished, uh, a finished product, and ready for consumption. You know, it's they they put something out there, and then they have to roll all these updates and fixes, and and players yeah. find errors in the game and that type of thing. Um, <clears throat> but he, he was just saying his point was basically, Hey, instead of, you know, all this criticism out the gate, um, you know, maybe they should give it just a little bit of time and, and see, you know, that it improves or, or gets finished or whatever. And he, he was saying, yeah, I, I hear it's a pretty good game. So I don't know. I don't play video games. So the smart thing would be to wait to buy the game and just read the comic first, 
get all your info there and then go back. Take hmm. that with a grain of salt, comic book shop owner. <laughs> telling you about. Uh, DC's also got Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Seven issue mm. mashup miniseries that no one saw coming, but has been a pretty good hit. It's mm. people are curious. It's crazy. It's big. Lots of monsters fight in the Justice League. That's a fun time. Who's all in the Justice League this these days? Uh, this one's just kind of the iconic. Okay, just your well, regular... right now there is no Justice League after the big uh... last crisis. Mm-hmm. They they all took time off and now the Titans are the main heroes. That's right. So yeah, this one's just kind of its own standalone thing. Um, Image is launching their Ghost Machine books. So they started with a sixty-four page one shot. So this is all all the people who used to work for Marvel and DC are now we're having another image defection. So some really big stars like Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, Jason Fabok. Brian Hitch, Brad Meltzer, Peter Tomasi, Ivan Rice, Francis Manipal, and several others. They're all going to create their own route and launching their own books that they own at Image, but they're all like going in together. So they're all going to be a shared universe. So there is like uh, Jeff Johns's Geiger book is kind of in the superhero side of things. And then there's a side that's kind of horror. He he gave me side. he gave me a little like uh, ash can thing he was giving out that he signed at the I have that he had at, from from Baltimore and that's what it was I I didn't know what it was till you just yeah. okay <laughs> it's a Geiger thing <laughs> yep so yeah these were the people who were doing Batman and all these big books at DC are like yeah we can make our own characters so they're they're launching a bunch of new books. And they're all going to be in the same world. They're going to cross over at times. They're all going to be their own thing. So the first issue was kind of neat. It just gave you a sample of a bunch of them. And they're going to start launching over the next couple of months. Keep your eyes out. Uh, Dynamite just launched a Thundercats series. Bringing back the 80s beloved cartoon. Uh, It's like a... A young, inexperienced Lino. They land. They had to leave their home Earth and land on Third Earth. Was that the name of it? Yeah, yeah, like Third fighting, Earth. Fighting Mumra and the mutants. So again, we're that eighty stuff will never go. Will never go away. There haven't been Thundercats yeah. books in a long time, but we're finally back to those. Yeah, Third Earth is. Uh, I think it was confirmed several years ago. Third Earth is is Earth. It's here after, you know, in the future, future. well, after, you know, nuclear war and, and the mutants have, yeah. And the snarfs have taken over. The, yeah, the snarfs. The biggest books out at the moment is this Energon universe. Hmm. An image. Transformers and G.I. Joe all in one connected universe. Uh, kicked off with that Void Rivals book by Robert Kirkman that they snuck a Transformer into and said, surprise, we got the license and it's all connected. So they launched Transformers and it sold incredibly well. It's written and drawn, just the first arc at least, by Daniel Warren Johnson, who has a crazy expressive style. He's His art is super cool. 
Um, someone else is drawing the second arc. I'm guessing it takes him a long time to draw this stuff, so hope, hopefully he comes back and draws some more. But it's not the typical... You know, a lot of the Transformers comics over the last few years have been very sleek and detailed and slick, you know, look, trying to look photorealistic like these very complicated robots. And this guy throws all that out the window and just has crazy, almost manga-inspired action sequences and things are gritty and... Uh, <laughs> Might not be a much of a spoiler by the time this comes out, but I want Op Optimus loses his arm at one point and ha and like starts beating somebody with, <laughs> with his broken arm and ends up having to grab Megatron's gun and like straps it to himself. So he's got, I was like, gonna Megatron's say, is he gonna arm. get a gun too? Yeah, he's yeah. Wow. So then, as this in one issue of Transformers, there's like the army's flying by and there's this codename. You know, Conrad Hauser, codenamed Duke, sees a Transformer, and he's like, what is this? So he goes back and is being debriefed. He's like, you didn't see that. He's like, yes, I did. There's these crazy aliens. He's like, no, there's not. You're, you know, you got to keep this quiet. You're drunk. So, so it ties into G.I. Joe. We had a Duke miniseries and then a Cobra Commander miniseries at the same time that they didn't reveal this ahead of time. It was kind of, they kept this under wraps, but it all has to do with Cobra Law. Mm -hmm. from the animated movie Golubulus and all these mutant oh, snake nemesis people. Nemesis Enforcer. Nemesis and... Enforcer. <laughs> so they're making, in this world, Cobra Commander's origins are from Cobra Law, and they actually have Megatron prisoner, and they're mm. trying to extract you know, the secrets of these, these, these Decepticons. So they, you know, G.I. Joe and Cobra are both forming basically because of the Transformers. Them being on Earth sparked this arms race between these two other factions. So these, the two G.I. Joe Transformers is ongoing. The two G.I. Joes are just mini-series, and there's supposed to be two more. They haven't announced what the next two are yet. But I've enjoyed all of it. I'm not the biggest Transformers fan. As we said, you have to pick one or the other. Right, if you're an right, 80s right. kid, I'm Whoa. definitely the G.I. Joe guy. But I've really enjoyed the Transformers book. It's small. There's just a real small cast. Because they're, you know, they don't have enough energon to power up enough, you know, soldiers. So it's like, again, most of these comics over the years have just hundreds of characters. Throw in everybody's favorite <laughs> character, have real complicated continuity, and this one is super easy to follow. I know all the characters. It's just been really excellent. And GI Joe, I was even, I love GI Joe, but I was like Duke as a main character. Who, who cares about Duke? But that series has been excellent. It, there's been cameos from people and he, you know, we've already met stalker and rock and roll and the Baroness is there. Like it's just been really fun tying all these properties together again. And the hmm. sales are there too, nationwide. Like these books are selling out like crazy. So other people are jumping on this too. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad it got this fresh blood from image and skybound and Robert Kirkman to kind of pump new life into these properties that we've loved literally our whole lives. I'm interested in, in it. I just, don't have time. To, I can't get down there to pick up my regular stuff. So it's like um, it's nice that there's stuff out there. I'd rather have too much than too little. I, I feel I, I should mention. I, I forgot to say that this most recent Captain America run. Uh, I think I picked up today the final issue of the first arc of Straczynski's Captain America. Mm -hmm. Uh, volume 11 or whatever but it's re i've really enjoyed it so far it, it flashes back to 
free serum Steve Rogers as a kid, uh, you know, half of the, you know, just being a, a teenage hero as just a good citizen dealing with the uh, American Bund, you know, Nazi presence. That, that era and, when there were you know, Nazi sympathizers in right. America. That like, he's that guy's got on, some good ideas. And Steve's yeah, like, he's based well, on actu- actual events and paralleled with what's happening in the present day uh it's really well done what so far what i've read and uh, i i'm just really enjoying it just can't wait to see what he does next that's all i got for comics did you guys uh see anything about um the disney company spending or putting a, a billion and a half into epic games um to it says create expansive and open games and entertainment universes uh, all connected to fortnite yeah i was gonna say the fortnite thing yeah yeah, yeah so yep, that they're might, gonna get in on the fortnite thing that might be interesting Get your, uh, that uh, last thing they did was hugely successful. Wasn't it? You collected the miniature people. That, mm-hmm. I forget what those were called. Amiibos or whatever. Uh, Disney, uh, what'd they call that? I don't know. Uh, Aaron Everbase Closet right now. <laughs> um, Get them graded. Send them in. Yeah. Yes. Make sure they're yes. 10.0s. Right next to your Lorcana cards. Yeah. <laughs> And if you like comics, you should check out SoProComics.com. My boys are so pro. That I write. My most boys of them. are so pro. So pro. <laughs> got a Kickstarter right now for Insecticid issue four. 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 Our longest running Count. series so four. far. Hmm. Uh, we got actually Bluff Creek number three is in the works. Burton Woodrow's Last Adventure number two is in the works. The Moth like, number two is in the works. That's like 11 right there. <laughs> we got a lot coming in 2024, hopefully, so pop on board. Hmm. Same with us at Kapow. Become a patron. Join us on uh, Facebook. Elsewhere. Yeah. On the internet. <laughs> Wherever podcasts can be found. Thank well, you for listening. Anything else? Nope. Nope. That's it. All right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. My name is Jordan Lowe. Cliff Barnes. Seth. Goodbye. Forever. Send us your stuff. We'll grade it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The KPP Grading Corporation. Yeah. That's right. We will. Got some. We got we'll a vacuum it. sealer and a. Some freezer bags and yeah. <laughs> I just bought a box of freezer bags. Yeah. We could do it do quite a run right now. Sharpie markers. What do we grade? Je- Jeffy's to Jesse's. <laughs> we got a nine point Jeffy right here. Kapow, the pop cultured podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. 
All original content is property of www.udownwithkpp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at the Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show Kapow the Pop Cultured Podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to go the extra mile, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash KPP for special content and access to Patreon-only benefits. We are grateful for anyone who chooses to contribute, but please know that most of our content will remain free. So please continue to like, comment, and share.